It's evening in America. And across this great land, young men and women are coming together through the power of the Internet with one common goal. To whoop each other's booties. Sega Dreamcast games are now online, unleashing the ultimate horror, your fellow Americans. Jack into SegaNet through your Dreamcast console and join your countrymen in the virtual arena. Play NFL 2K1 and cream for meatheads you've never even met. Play NBA 2K1 and school some farm boy without suffering the scent of livestock. Or play Quake 3 and waste some Jersey punk from the sanctity of your own home. And so, America, SegaNet is born. And suddenly we are one proud nation, indivisible, united in the pursuit of whooping booty. Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 39. This is going to be a weird one because we're going to be talking about an interesting category for retro gaming and for, you know, the whole nostalgia topic of video games. And that's going to be the Sega Dreamcast online service, SegaNet. And I brought on two great people to talk about it, uh, both coming from, you know, the same podcast, but have fantastic histories when it comes to this service so first off i will mention uh we are going to be going into a ton of different topics we might go all over the place so bear with us it's just going to be a couple people sitting around skype and talking about awesome stuff but the first person i want to introduce from the player one podcast is chris johnston chris how you doing Good. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me and Greg on. Yeah, I don't think we've done one with both you guys on at the same time before. Totally I gave it away. So. I, was, I was being quiet. Oh, so Kevin could sorry. do my intro. Well, <laughs> Greg, let's be real. Like, uh, if if we talk about Sega, you're usually going to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's- so it's it's about uh, it's about the most uh, surprising thing uh, in the world, but or unsurprising thing in the world. Man, I had too much caffeine today. This is Japan. We have caffeine all over the place. I've you got to lay off the coffee, boss. I know, but the thing is, I'm I'm going to be leaving soon, and I bought all this coffee from Amazon, so I'm like trying to drink it before I leave. But um, that is the boss coffee that I'm the boss since 1992. Uh, so that is. Greg Stewart of uh, Player One Podcast, and of course, I'm going to plug it because I haven't been able to plug it on 8.4 the last couple episodes, <laughs> Generation 16, which has Thanks, to do man. with Sega Genesis and uh, Mega Drive stuff, which is a fantastic series on YouTube, and I know you got another one coming up pretty soon, right? You've been working I'll tell you, on I'll one. tell you what, I had, an, I had an exciting moment today, and this is a little, this is a little just a little taste of what you're going to be seeing in the next episode. Um, I managed to find a TV tuner for a Game Gear at a used game store today. What? Whoa. Yeah. Man, does that, I'll be interested does to that know if work? that picks up. Yeah, does it even pick up any channels? Because It works. There's no games? channels for it to pick up. But yeah. Uh, yeah. But hmm. it, it was important. I'm just saying it was important. I was very excited <laughs> when I found it. So, Do you have any interest in doing a like Game Gear 
Series that because you you could technically well you know I mean there's there's no games. there's no human way that I'll finish Generation sixteen <laughs> before I die. Yeah. So adding on this series case. is really the only <laughs> obvious uh, logical choice. Well, give, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Give uh, give Greg some more incentive to work on this series, and you can check out the the Patreon page for for Generation sixteen. But we'll talk about that um, at the end as well. But all fantastic stuff, and of course, uh, Player One Podcast, which you should be checking out on a weekly basis to hear. Uh, you know, regular people that are have been in the industry are now out of the industry uh, and just are playing games and talking about them and not really worried about PR and any of that crap. So um, great stuff from you guys. So. The topic on hand for this episode, like I said, is uh, the Sega Dreamcast's online service. So uh, the great thing about this is that I'm going to be able to stitch in a bunch of fantastic music from the Sega Genesis. Uh, Sega Genesis. Sega, no, that, no, you were right. We could talk about X-Band, um, but we're going to be talking about Sega Dreamcast. And hopefully, uh, maybe I'll take some Percocets to calm down, and we'll uh, come back with the history uh, of SegaNet and the Dreamcast online service. So stick around. We will be right back. comes to SegaNet, uh, we have to first talk about what came before it. And there's two consoles that came before the Sega Dreamcast from Sega that did support online. Uh, first off, with the Sega Genesis or the Mega Drive, in the United States at least, we had this thing called the X-Band modem, which was also on the Super Nintendo, which supported a handful of different games that allowed you to play things like NBA Jam, Tournament Edition, and Mortal Kombat <coughs> 2 online. I bought mm-hmm. one, never hooked it. I bought one because it was like on clearance at EB Games or Babbage's, whatever it was at the time, uh, just because it was like $2. But uh, I was wondering if, you know, Greg or CJ, if you guys ever actually used that thing. No. No. Okay. Then we're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> um, I used it. Uh, they they had a booth at CES. <laughs> And I used it there, and that was the only my only uh, um, yeah my only experience with the X Band was at CES. Yeah. I wanted one though; I really wanted one. It, but, it was uh, a really interesting idea, and uh, unfortunately, like it was, it was like if you want to have context for this, if you don't, if you weren't alive at this time, this is when like <clears throat> most people were on AOL or CompuServe, or maybe they had a local. 
like <laughs> internet service that they could dial into. This was not broadband. It was, you know, I think it was 36 or 33.6 um, kilobytes per second. So it's, it's slow. Um, yeah. There was also the Sega Saturn, which had, uh, I think it was the Sega Netlink, Greg. Well, it was the Netlink, but you also, going back to the Genesis, the yeah. Genesis, like huh. Sega had its own modem for the Genesis. That's true. In Japan. In Japan. Called okay. the Mega Modem. Oh, okay. And that, that came out in 1990. 1990? What do you, oh, yep. Well, even if, I mean, if you want to like just look back at the interesting history of online, like we could talk about the Satellaview, we could talk about even the, the Famicom yep. had a modem for like banking. Yep. And that's exactly what the mega modem was used for. Well, one of the things it was used for as well when it came out, it came out with banking software. It came out with something called Mega Answer, (laughs) which, um, yeah, I know. Spelled wrong, too, which is kind of funny. But it it had like a printer and a keyboard and a mouse and everything. I mean, it was a full-fledged system. And there were games that were built to take advantage of the mega modem that came out in early 1990. They came out like six months before the hardware ever even hit. What? Yeah, it wasn't Sunsoft. Baseball? Baseball games? Uh, well, the first, the first one was a game called Telltale Mahjong. And the reason mm-hmm. it was called Telltale because it was online play. Telltale Mahjong from Sunsoft. But then they also did Telltale Stadium, which was a baseball game. Yeah. Right. So just so you know, there was, there was a modem uh, released for the Mega Drive in Japan. And it was supposed to be released for the Genesis in North America. If you look at some of the very earliest yeah. Genesis does with Nintendo ads, modem. you see the Telegenesis modem in all those shots. <laughs> Whoa. All right. There we go. You're just, there's your history lesson for, for today, you know, outside of <laughs> what we're going to be talking about. Um, so uh, we'll talk about the, the Sega Saturn's Netlink for a second because mm. it, it it was another interesting concept where you could you could do some pretty decent online gaming at the time, but it seemed to not really catch on in the States. No. And it also, the nice thing about that is it also uh, had a, a browser, a full web browser. Wow, you so could you actually can, browse the web with your Saturn. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, man, the internet back then is something like, <laughs> I, like I don't even know what you would look up back then. Yeah, like well, a, you go to Dave's Sega Saturn page, of course. <laughs> that's the greatest right. Sega Saturn uh, page on the internet. Or you could search via, you know, Lycos or something. Yeah, like Lycos. Yeah. Dog, dogpile.com. You could search <laughs> all the search engines at once. Um, <laughs> internet was great. Uh, now it's just everyone's mad at each other. So let's uh, let's let's talk about the Dreamcast because that's what we're primarily here for. So I'm going to drop some some knowledge on you guys about the uh, the history of the Dreamcast hardware and why that whole thing was in there. So uh, apologies ahead of time for butchering any kind of Japanese names. Um, luckily, uh, no one else is listening to me. So uh, Asayo uh, Okawa, chairman of Sega's parent company, CSK Holdings Corporation, was uh, persuaded to include a modem with each Sega Dreamcast system by the Chinese economist and future Sega.com CEO, Brad Huang, uh, despite, despite significant opposition from Okawa's staff over the additional $15 cost per unit. So it cost them extra 15 bucks mm. to throw in that modem. And it looks like at launch, uh, and I will say the original Japanese and all of the PAL models of the Sega Dreamcast had a 33.6 KB yep. uh, kilobytes per second modem, not the 56K one that we ended up getting here in the United States on 9999. So there was a later revision in Japan that included that 56K modem. Uh, so you can grab that if you want to look in the shops for it. Um, 
The service, uh, SegaNet specifically, allowed users to play games online, send email that actually came with a disk that allowed you to uh, access. It was a web browser, but also allowed you to access email uh, in North America. The service was announced on September 7th, 2000, at a price of $21.95 per month. So this is specifically when Sega got into the internet provider industry. Uh, This is how I got access. To Sega Net, I saw an ad in the official Sega really? Stream. Yeah, this is this is how I access internet for two years because I was locked <laughs> into a two-year contract. Um, <laughs> but the uh, I convinced my parents at the time that we should switch from whatever we had for our internet provider in town. I Earth said, Link. Prodigy. No, no, no. It was some like <laughs> third off-brand weird crap. We were kind of in the sticks, but um, we went from whatever it was to paying more. For SegaNet, which was twenty one ninety five per month for your fifty six k internet service, but it came with a hundred dollar rebate or one hundred and fifty dollar rebate, and it came with a Sega Dreamcast <coughs> keyboard. Yep. So right. that, that's how I convinced. Like I'm like we're getting one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for free for something that we already need, and uh, it was pretty fast service. It had a really good connection. <laughs> the numbers were never busy when you called them. So nobody else had it. <laughs> no one else. Whatever. <laughs> so, but I don't care. I, I got a sick moat. I got the keyboard, which I only use for the internet browser because I never got typing of the dead. Um, oh. But this this opened up a world to me where at fourteen years old. I had a basically a computer in my room with access to the internet, which is a very dangerous thing as yeah. 14 years old. Um, so it's a simpler time. And, and it was a way simpler you know, time. Apparently, um, the day that SegaNet launched, they had a lot of technical issues. because uh, So the December 2000 issue of EGM has a uh, big special on SegaNet. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the, uh, the launch day problems that they had. So September 7th, uh, they they sponsored the MTV Video Music Awards that night. Oh, that's which was right. kind of a thing with Sega, and it had like a big SegaNet blowout on that show. And as people tried to connect, all they got was a busy signal. <laughs> 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 so no one could connect on September seventh. That uh, that's pretty excellent. <laughs> but they they cleared it up within a few days. Somewhere, someone from Evolution Studios is saying, "See." <laughs> it's always it's always happened. It's not just Drive Club. It also happened when they try to launch NFL 2K1. Yeah, um, yeah. they had a 50-hour free trial. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> Nobody could connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's why no one could connect. They wanted that free trial. <clears throat> I, I, I even remember seeing at, uh, again, I don't remember at, at this time if it was Babbage's or if it was EB Games, but they had like discs at the front of the counter for SegaNet for the yep. you know the Sega Dreamcast browser, which were a, like a dollar just to make you buy the disc and you would get that 50 hours of, you know, free quote unquote internet service. But, um, this is, this is why for, for me, this holds a really special place in my heart because I didn't have a computer. This is how I used the internet for like a year. Uh, See, which, it's it's funny because you're, you're kind of describing exactly what my experience was, but a little earlier with, um, with the Netlink. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a Netlink, but my, my best friend did, and neither of us had a PC. So that was how we surfed the internet was on the Saturn. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, exactly that's the same thing. <laughs> it, it was, I, it is hard to put into context if you didn't really experience it at the time because this this was a very special, you know, time for not only 
you know, us, but for video game consoles as like right around the corner, you'd have the Xbox come out and then a couple of years later, Xbox Live, which then became the gold standard for the uh, Internet, you know, providers on consoles. But uh, a couple other interesting facts real quick. Um, you know, Sega packaged a free year of Internet with every purchase of the Dreamcast console in Japan, which makes a little bit of sense because the console was hurting a little bit in Japan where it was doing relatively well in America once they waited on the launch. And uh, Okawa believed that Sega's future was closely linked with online games and tasked Sonic Team (laughs) with developing a title that would demonstrate their value, which later became Fantasy Star Online, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about in the next segment. Never heard of it. Never, yeah, <laughs> never heard. Yeah, I think it, it just, uh, it's a sequel to uh, Fantasy Star and the Genesis, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, a broad, broadband adapter, network adapter, was released on January 10th, 2001, which, again, if you want to put this into context, that was kind of getting towards the end of the Sega Dreamcast life in America. Like, it was yeah. kind of running on fumes and... <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things I will mention that JJ talked about when I was out over at A4 and I mentioned that we we're going to be talking about this. He's like, yeah, I really just bought that broadband adapter because I thought I was going to play PSO, but then never played PSO. Yeah. And it sat in a box. So uh, I guess that was the big thing that they they put it behind. Um, I mean, you guys would know a lot better because you were a little bit more aware of this stuff back then. CJ, does that sound right? Yeah, it was actually uh, so the broadband adapter came out in early January and then I believe Fantasy Star Online version Two mm-hmm. came out uh, late January, and the day after that was released is when Sega announced their whole getting out of hardware. No way, thing. I think. Well, wow. yeah, January January twenty fourth, two thousand one, they announced they yes. were discontinuing the Dreamcast oh, and man. becoming platform agnostic. So that was before the broadband adapter came out, right? No, that was after. Oh, it was after. Okay, sorry, but yeah, it was January twenty fourth, two thousand one. All right, yep. so. And yeah. the day after Fantasy Star Online version two came out, <clears throat> yes. <laughs> no more bummers. All right, this is this is this is getting me down. This is getting me down from my caffeine high. So uh, the broadband adapter was released for only fifty nine ninety five, which you know is relatively reasonable considering you're going to be playing some hot hits like. Uh, you know, yeah. these are the main titles that were going to be on the service were Four by Four Evolution, uh, Maximum Pool, Fantasy Star Online, Quake Three Arena, Sega Swirl. Um, you had your Unreal Tournament, and uh, like I said, you had uh, the big. The, I mean, for me, the big things that got me into uh, SegaNet was not just the ability to access the internet via a browser on my, you know, television at 480i, but also to play nba 2k1 and nfl 2k1 which at the time were um, just the most amazing sports games with fantastic animation and uh you know still i will say to this day the nfl 2k series has always been better than madden uh every year that it's come out until ea decided to not let anyone make video games that are fun uh for football uh the uh, other thing that i want to quickly mention and I think Greg, you're probably. I think I've heard you mention talk. You talk about this Speed Devils Online. I think you probably oh, typed God, that. Yeah. Okay, CJ, it looks like I you did. typed that in. Okay, <laughs> so, so we'll talk about that in uh, yeah. in the second segment. But yeah, this is just a, a fantastic part of the the Sega Dreamcast history. Unfortunately, when it really started getting good, is when the Dreamcast started uh, not selling so well, and the PlayStation Two was out. Like, you know, what were they going to really do against that huge monster that was? Uh, the PS2, but um, oh, do you guys have any uh, 
other statistics in terms of history? Because I know we're going to be talking about our memories in the next segment. Uh, Greg, I don't know if you had anything. Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't really have much to add to what you just said, to be honest. Yeah, Wikipedia yeah. did a pretty good job. I don't know, yeah. CJ, if you had anything. Indeed. Nope, nope. Great. Uh, so we're going to get to listen to some more music from the Sega Dreamcast and potentially a commercial promoting the Sega's online service mm. with uh, mm. professional sports stars. So mm. hope you enjoy that. this segment we're really just going to be going around and talking about you know our memories and history playing uh these games on uh the sega dreamcast internet service so um i want to throw it off to you first cj to just you know get your you know what were your impressions when this thing was announced and when it came out and you know were you jumping on board immediately i did jump on board immediately yeah i uh i had a separate internet service provider uh, anyway, so I used them to dial in to play the SegaNet games. But uh, man, when some of those first games hit, it was like this is really this is really the future. This is really good stuff, uh, especially Fantasy Star, um, and of course Speed Devils. But Quake Three Arena, it was su- such a big title on the PC, and you know multiplayer is is what <clears throat> made those games so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that came out on the Dreamcast, I actually remember the CompUSA. For some reason, CompUSA broke the street date on Quake 3 Arena and the mouse. And uh, I went to CompUSA and picked those up and played Quake 3 Arena like all night after that. It was great. So you were just messing people up with, you know, most people at home. Like I only played, I never had the mouse. So all I had was the keyboard and the controller. So when I played Quake 3, it was strictly with a controller. So I'm yeah. sure you were the guy on the other <coughs> end of the line. You were, if, if I wanted to quote, <laughs> since we just mentioned it, if I wanted to quote Limp Bizkit uh, from the, the Sega Net ad, this is, this is an official ad that came out for the Sega Dreamcast that was in magazines like official you know Dreamcast magazine, I'm sure EGM and GamePro or whatever. But um, there's a quote from uh, Fred Durst that says, uh, 
If you get your ass kicked, it's probably me on the other end of the line, Fred Durst, <laughs> comma, Sega Net member. So he was uh, he was jumping on the service as soon as you were, too. I'm sure he went to CompUSA to see if he can get an early copy of Quake uh, 3. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure. That's that's how we used to. That's how he rolls. Um, roll and roll and roll. And I didn't want to get in too far into that. But so that's awesome. So you were just that was the first game that you picked up that you were getting on Sega Net was uh, Quake 3? Uh, might have been Fantasy Star. Okay, yeah, so that launched with the service. Yeah. So version version one launched with the service too. Yeah, cool. It was that. How about you, Greg? When did you when did you get on board? Was it day one? I get on board day one. Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, my my first like favorite memory of uh, Second Ed is actually um, was when they announced the fifty six K modem for North America. Just because oh, I was yeah. that was one of the press conferences I got to go to. I think I was went with you, CJ. Yeah, and it was like a huge announcement. It's like, yeah, it's going to be fifty six k in America, nowhere else, just America, because it has to be. And you know, like, it's got to be fast. It's got to be great. And but um, yeah, I jumped in right away too. The first game I really played on it was Fantasy Star Online. Although I'm going to admit here, I, I did. I was never a huge Fantasy Star Online fan. Um, just didn't do it for me. But I <clears throat> basically I was playing because everybody at the office was playing. So, like, I mean, James Milky was a beast in that game. I, I seem to remember, and and a bunch of other people. You know, Shane wasn't Shane Bettenhausen wasn't on staff at that point, but he was really into that game after a while too. But yeah, I mean, for me, otherwise, it was um, it was Speed Devils Online was when I really got into the, that service in a huge way. But I was the same as CJ. I already had an internet provider, so I didn't really sign up for like SegaNet as a provider. You're missing out. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess I was. Um, so I just dialed in, but it was so, so amazing. It was so weird to be playing games online on my console because I didn't do the X-Band thing. I played a little bit of Sega with the Netlink, Saturn with the Netlink, but not a lot. And yeah, I was just like, man, this is the most, this is just the coolest thing ever. And it ran well. That was yeah, the thing that 56K. At 56K. And <clears throat> my, my, my thing was like I said before, getting into it was because of the release of NFL 2K1 and then right after that, NBA 2K1. And if you think about how important it is to not have latency issues with sports games today, yeah. like you could easily play games of NFL 2K1 and NBA 2K1 through 56K and have it run smooth as butter. Like it ran fantastically and they, I don't know how they did it in the net code but they hid any kind of issues sometimes you would get like a pause but both sides would pause and then you'd be right back into the game and this might happen like two or three times during the game but at that time for to me this was magic this was magic that yeah. I was playing with some guy over <laughs> the internet you know as the Celtics versus like the Houston Rockets was the, the most amazing thing to me. And those were the only two games I needed that year. That's the only thing I played was NBA <laughs> and NFL online all the time. And it was, it was just a blast. You could go all the way up to four on four for each one of those games. You could hook up four controllers on one end, four on the other and play against other people online. And that's one of the commercials that they use to really promote it. Like there's this really bad NBA 2K1 commercial where there's a bunch of like Lakers fans sitting on a couch going up against you know some other team uh, and uh, I will make sure to see if I can grab that audio and put it in here but like that was that that was it for me that's all I needed to get on board so you guys mentioned Fantasy Star 
online. So um, mm-hmm. when, when version one came out, CJ, was this just what occupied your time all the time? Because it seemed like people yeah, that much. got into it was like putting 200 hours into it. Yeah, pretty much. It was, uh, you know, go home from the office and log on, <clears throat> play Fantasy Star Online until 2 a.m. Uh, at least. And uh, yeah, re- repeat that like every day of the week. <laughs> so so what was the appeal of it? Was it in terms of just getting together with friends, like what people do today with Dota and stuff like that? <clears throat> yeah, I was getting together with friends. Um, other people from the office would play, too. Uh, it was just really about getting loot too mm-hmm. getting rares getting rare items leveling up leveling up your mags so it was and, destiny uh, of its time yeah exactly yeah wow exactly i had uh you know i had dial up for a, a long time and when you'd get another call you'd have that moment where you know <laughs> you'd try to decipher from what was happening on screen whether you disconnected or not like if you could see other players just standing there idle <laughs> or uh after i got dsl which um was terrible. I uh, when my phone rang, the DSL would also disconnect for for some reason, oh, and no. uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was fantastic too. I had the broadband adapter, but it would still disconnect me when the phone rang. There's there's another thing that we'll never have to deal with again is mom yeah. picking up the phone to make a phone call and oh. then, mom, I'm playing NBA 2K1. <laughs> Hang up the phone. I'm Luckily, I had moved out. I had moved out of my parents' house by that by the time Dreamcast came out. So I guess that would make CJ sense. CJ was 30, and it was just time to go. <laughs> it was time to go. Exactly. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So, uh, Greg, you're obviously also into Fantasy Star Online. So I want some more context because I've never touched a Fantasy Star game ever. And uh, I know well, Fantasy Star Online was the like almost the big one for the service. So was that the appeal for you, just like the the loot or what was what was the gameplay loop that, well, that the appeal, the appeal for me was was the fact that everybody that you got to play online mm-hmm, and yeah. that it was Fantasy Star. I mean the the thing is too that they the that game was gorgeous, right? Like the the, the character design in particular I really, really loved. Um but I wasn't crazy about the game from sort of a purist standpoint, because, you know, Fantasy Star up at that point had been very traditional RPGs, traditional JRPGs. And this wasn't. This was it was it was just basically um, <clears throat> you would party up with, I think, four people total. Yes. CJ can correct me. If yep. I'm, yeah, four people four. total. And then you could go into the various missions, which took place in a, in various different worlds. So you were just sort of instanced into these levels. So it was yep. just your party in the level with you. Um, and then you would literally just run around from it was basically room to room, although, yeah. you know, like the, the outdoor levels didn't technically look that way. It, really, it was really what was happening. You're running around room to room, mm-hmm. just fighting tons of monsters and picking up loot and opening chests. And then you would have boss battles and the boss battles in that game looked incredible hmm. for the mm-hmm. time. I, I remember the big dragon in particular was just like, wow, I, I can't believe this is again. I'm playing a console game and it looks this good. Yeah. But um yeah, the the appeal for me was <clears throat> I was not addicted to the gameplay loop one little bit. I was addicted to going home, jumping online, and playing with my friends. Yeah. You know, because otherwise, I mean, I don't think I had a roommate at the time. So multiplayer gaming for me had become online gaming, but it was still cool because it was playing with the people I worked with. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about randoms. And you didn't have voice chat. So... Yep. You didn't have people screaming, you know, racial slurs in your ear or anything like that either. <laughs> oh, you didn't get <laughs> oh, yeah, the, people, I mean, okay. no, there was no cons. Yeah. The symbol chat, right? Yeah. The thing at symbol chat, was, uh, it did not have voice chat. No voice chat. 
Right. You didn't invest into the uh, the Dreamcast webcam and uh, <laughs> the the headset that eventually came for video conferencing through your Dreamcast. I think that was only in Japan, though. Yeah, I don't think that came out here. I don't think that did, no. <laughs> uh, a funny story I, I will mention, if uh, you want to check out another great episode of Retronauts, is uh, I think they did a Fantasy Star episode or a Fantasy Star online episode, um, but I, it just was funny bringing this up because it was uh, at A4 the other day uh, where Mark McDonald has this crazy story about how he was home for Christmas or something like that and just disconnected his refrigerator because his circuit breaker blew just so he could play Fantasy Star online on the only two oh, outlets God. that worked in his house. Um, <laughs> so that is the kind of dedication this game uh, you know, made people have towards, um, towards it. But I, there was a really interesting or at least like a good – offline component as well where you could still make some progress offline then go back online right just in case mom needed to make a phone call yeah so there was like there was a very very thin thread of a story in this yeah. game and you could go in and play through the uh quote-unquote dungeons that they have set up uh to unlock new areas so when you got online you and your friends could go through those areas together but uh I'm not sure how good of a game it would be uh, solo. Mm-hmm. I don't. Think it was terrible. I thought it was terrible solo. <laughs> it, just yeah. because the gameplay loop was so simple, mm-hmm. and if you didn't have the companionship and you didn't have people helping you, I mean, I, I, it kind of it's kind of the same experience. You mentioned Destiny. It's kind of the same experience I was having early on with Destiny because I was playing it single yeah. player a little bit, yeah. and it just the game was crap single player, right? Like especially when you're at a low level because you just don't have the power to deal with anything. So <clears throat> it was way better way. It was meant to be played together. And when you played it together, it was so much better. Yeah. I almost completely forgot that one of the major uh, incentives to going online with the Sega Dreamcast is if you weren't the cheap bastard that got the third party memory card, if you have a VMU, you could <clears throat> download games for your VMU, like VMU football. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so you could you could take your, you know, what it was like a 16 by 16 pixel screen in that mm. VMU with a actually a decent D-pad, an A and a B button, take it with you out on the road and play some football in the car if car if you had some, you know, NFL 2K1 downloads on there. Hey, you know, you could uh download images and use them as graffiti in Jet Set Jet Grind oh Radio. Oh my god, that's right. You could download yeah. more songs for Samba de Amigo. Yeah, they're, they need a lot holiday, of cool stuff. Holiday packs for Sonic Adventure. That's right, as well. Yeah. Damn, there's a bunch of stuff. See this. You, this is great that you guys are bringing this up, just to bring into context what how, how far ahead of the game Sega was at this time, where you know you had PS2, which eventually did have a modem and a broadband adapter come out, <clears> and <throat> the Xbox had it built in, but then Xbox Live didn't come out till 2002. Um, you had some really awesome kick-ass stuff going on with the Sega Dreamcast that you just, you know, we're never going to see again. Like, you're never going to be able to download stuff to your, like, I'm just like, you can look well, online. Not without, not without paying for it. <laughs> That's the other thing. The service is free. Yeah. That's right. It was, a, it was a free service unless you were me and yeah. you, you paid for your internet service through Sega. Um, right. the, the service itself was free and all the downloads were free because they had no way of doing like online transactions on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not safely anyway. I think they, they thought of those online uh, downloads as incentive for you to pay for their dial-up service. 
That's a good call. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, and looking online, when I was doing some research for this, there's still websites up where you can log in if you have, excuse me, a broadband adapter or if you have a uh, 56K modem, you can still use it to go to these websites and they have the VMU games on there. Um, so That's uh, awesome. So you can still download this stuff and experience it and they still have, <clears throat> um, like I guess, what would you call it, like emoticons or whatever that you could put on your VMU, like you could put, you know, pixel art, I guess, on your on your VMU and stuff like that. So um, just huh. search Google for VMU games and the first couple of websites pop up where you can play um, some pretty, I guess, bad games. But it's just it's just interesting to, to take a look at them and see what they look like. Um, it was innovative at the time. Yeah. Even though <laughs> you look back on that stuff and go, wow, that was terrible. It was it was completely unique. And Sega was, you know, doing a lot of uh, really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You could tell They're pushing the envelope. Yeah. And you could tell that eventually they went they, they just sort of went for broke on that because you're talking about, you know, becoming the uh, become the service provider. If I'm not mistaken, didn't the company officially rename itself SegaNet at one point? Sega themselves? Uh, yeah. I don't or remember. at least Sega of America or something. I'm pretty sure something like that happened. I've been looking for information on it here. but Well, when I was bringing up that, that Wikipedia <laughs> uh, information, which, again, take it for, for you know, with a grain of salt, but um, they actually called, say, called it Sega.com was the name of the company. That's what it was. I'm sorry. They called themselves Sega.com. Yeah. Because um, the internet. And, you know, <laughs> things like doing the whole supplement, supplementing your Dreamcast purchase, like 200, you get a $200 rebate if you sign up for two years mm. of SegaNet, which I think that only lasted like 11 months. So you, you ended up getting an Earthlink account or something when it all went yeah. belly up. But like you remember, they, Greg, you we tell uh, they thought it was the future. We, uh, <clears throat> we at EGM, we, we partnered up with Earthlink and they gave us all free accounts. Uh, but we had to run something in the magazine every month saying that our internet was provided by earthlink oh yeah right (laughs) we all had we all had special earthlink accounts i don't think i ever used an earthlink account though i think i did from my cube anyway anyway the fantastic thing about amazon is you can look at these amazon was selling dreamcast games like amazon was around so there's uh like reviews from when nfl 2k1 and nba 2k1 were coming out and stuff like that and uh again when i was doing research i found on the nfl 2k1 website this might be our page this might be a mistake but there was a review from one month ago Five stars. My fiance and son play this together and love it. So people are still playing wow. NFL 2K1 on a regular basis. Ah. You can get brand new copies for $4.93. Do it before That's they're amazing. gone for good. Um, and, and this, we, we, we talk about how, you know, today the online service for sports games is is great, not only because you can play people online, but you can get updated rosters. And that's another thing that both these games did. And later on with MLB uh, 2K2 and uh, NHL, 2, I think it was NHL 2K1 also did it, um, where you could download updated rosters on a monthly basis. So if there's ever any trades made, you would get that updated roster and just download it to your VMU, which mm. for the time was Unbelievable! Awesome. Unbelievable! Yeah, totally. Um, because I would be the I was the kid who would automatically like I'd be on ESPN.com and whenever there was a trade, I would have to manually do it in my game because I was so 
crazy about making sure that my NBA teams were authentic as possible. If we traded Vitaly Potapko from the Boston Celtics, I need to make sure I updated that so Mark Blunt was the starter and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, you're hardcore. Oh, I was so <laughs> yeah. That the the Dreamcast came out at a time when I was 14. So as soon as you turn 14 in Massachusetts, you can get a job license. So I was able to get a job. This is when I was able to start buying oh. games for myself. So all oh, okay. my money went to the Sega Dreamcast. As soon as I made fifty dollars, I was buying Code Veronica. I was buying NBA Two K One. I was mm. putting twenty two dollars a month towards my Signet subscription, and uh, <laughs> eventually, like the, when that thing died, it it, it killed me to the point uh, where I almost stopped playing video games uh, mm. until I saw Madden Two Thousand. I guess Madden Two Thousand One on a PS Two, which was pretty crazy. Um, all right. So a couple of things that I wanted to, uh, go over first before we, uh, start wrapping this up, uh, a couple of games, uh, first off when it came to first person shooters, this was not the optimal console to play them on unless like CJ had, uh, unless you had the, the modem or the, the mouse, the caffeine kills me on these shows, the modem, <laughs> the mouse and the keyboard. So you can be able to have proper controls otherwise you're using the stick or using the combination of what a lot of like dreamcast first person shooters had um and there were actually quite a bit of them uh i think overstrike was an not overstrike uh over out trigger uh out trigger was another one that i had that you had to use your left thumb on the d-pad and your right thumb would be on the actual buttons like the a b x y buttons to use it as your second stick Yep. Which sucked. Um, but eventually you would just brute force and you would eventually be able to play it. But um, online playing Quake 3, Unreal Tournament, if you didn't have a PC, this was your gateway to do it. Um, and there was also a couple racing games, I prim- primarily uh, Speed Devils Online, which uh, yeah. you guys can talk about. CJ, uh, you know, take it over. Like, why? I never played Speed Devils. I don't even think I played the first you one. You missed out, my yeah. friend. There are two. Two versions for Dreamcast. One is just regular Speed Devils, mm-hmm. and uh, then the online game, which is only online. You can't play it offline at all. And the way that they they did it was uh, you, instead of AI players, you would play against other people only, and uh, so you'd level up and uh, you know leave beginning players behind. But uh, it was pretty great. Oh my god, it was time. so great. Like so we, Seward and I would, like on Friday nights, we would start a lobby called uh, EGM and we would get on there. Guaranteed our, to fill. Guaranteed to have a full game, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we'd play against people and it was awesome. It was great. And there was no voice chat, so people uh, could only type whatever they wanted in the chat uh, between races. So there wasn't, uh, wasn't too much griefing or anything. It was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, and it ran really smooth. I mean, so the, the yeah. Speed Devils game was actually based on an earlier PC game called Speed Busters, which I had reviewed when I worked at Gaming Age, actually. And uh, so I was really pumped for Speed Devils when it came up. When the online one came out, at first I didn't like it. And the reason I didn't like it was because you had to play online if you wanted to get the full experience. Hmm. But like CJ said, <clears throat> he and I figured out pretty quick that if you just put the name of the magazine in the, <laughs> in the channel name, You'd fill it up every time. But it was basically like this crazy – it was just a straightforward racing game. Like there wasn't any combat or anything involved. But um, the levels were – Well, unless you hit people off track, which I – Yeah, but the levels were kind of crazy. Like there's one level where you 
eventually you would end up racing, spiraling up the inside of a volcano and like yeah. you're in like a snow covered area. You're in, you're going through Hollywood and you go through like the set of jaws is basically what's happening. So a shark will like pop up and bite the side of the road and it yeah, just had like some a, really a wacky farm, courses, but it was, it was so like a much farm fun. level where there were tornadoes that came through and you had yes. to like avoid right. them. No, it almost <laughs> yeah. sounds like uh, like split second, like that awesome. It, it kind of like really game. when I was when I was trying to think of the way to describe it, that was actually the first thing that came to mind. I mean, it yeah. it wasn't quite as as crazy as split second, but it's sort of the same idea where you just have this sort of kind of planted in reality mm-hmm. stretches of road, but then it just really goes crazy. But it's still just a very straightforward arcade racer. Yeah. I thought it was other, great just because your progression was tied to playing against other people. So there was you couldn't play the game without, you know. Yeah. Being See, I hated that about it at first. Decent but, to other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, too. You mentioned Quake 3 Arena. Um, and one of the things I thought was really cool about that was that it was actually cross-compatible with the PC. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Which was. That was great. Kind it, of different. It, it, I, uh, it ran the servers on it, uh, and it is still yeah. hosting servers for Quake Three Arena. If you have a broadband adapter, you have a way to get connected to a 56k dial-up service. You can still play Quake Three as well as about a dozen other Dreamcast games today. There's, yeah, I think, not yeah, Speed there's Devils, seven or something like that. Speed Devils is one of them. Um, yeah, Quake Three Arena. You know, uh, you were talking about the uh, mouse and keyboard versus people who had the controller. I was not a PC player, so even though I did have mouse and keyboard, I sucked at mm. it big time. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's my a, big memory of that. That's a great correction. It is uh, seven games. You can play Star Lancer, Quake Three Arena, Four by Four, Evolution, Fantasy Star Online Version One, Version Two. Maximum Pool uh, from our friends at Sierra, uh, Sega Swirl, uh, and via System Link, you can play uh, F355 uh, Challenge. That was the fr- awesome Ferrari game, um, which also I think uh, that was relatively well received, right? That's a pretty good racing game, right, guys? It's good, but it's really, really hard. Okay. Um, and that was a uh, Yu Suzuki game, right? Yes. Okay. It was released by Acclaim here. Oh, no way. All right. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Virtual On uh, or Retario Tangram. That's Ontario probably. Tangram. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I actually saw one of those sticks uh, last week in a Ooh, shop in Akihabara, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to carry a like a gigantic thing back on the plane with me. I already filled up my suitcase Ooh. with games. And uh, I, other important games for the service, um, I never played this, but um, I did get to like see it in the stores. Uh, Alien Front Online, which seemed to be mm, oh, pushed yeah. pretty hard for the online service. For online multiplayer, you could play with up to eight people uh, on a on a map. So I was wondering, uh, Greg, did you ever get to you know play any Alien Front? Uh, yeah, I remember playing Alien Front. I don't remember really leaving a, a huge impression uh, for me, but. Um but yeah, I, I dug it. I mean, that was one of those. It's kind of the same thing. It was one of those games that came out right at the end, mm-hmm. right? Like it came out in what, like October or August, I think, two thousand one. That is actually so, that's absolutely correct. Uh, August ninth, yeah. two thousand one. Uh, so it, it was yeah, it was right. It was right at the end of the whole the whole deal. But it was a really good game. I remember it being a really good game. Anyway, it's just a it's like a free roaming shooter where you can use a bunch of different uh, vehicles. I think. Correct. So yeah. Yeah, totally cool. Um, also, uh, a game that never ended up getting released, but then was leaked. Uh, that was going to be online. That is actually a really sick game, uh, Propeller Arena. Propeller Arena. Um, oh yeah. Which mm. I mean, well-known story. It was 
canceled after 9-11. We yeah. had we had review discs of that or preview at least oh, in the office. You still have those. Do you uh, have those? Uh, Phil Theobald still has one, I believe. What? Yeah. Yeah. Man, Phil's just going to sell his games off and be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> he's got tons of great but stuff. It was really good. It was a real shame that they, they had to. I see why they canceled it, and I don't think they really had any other option, but mm-hmm. it was a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was also a, a couple other games worth mentioning. Uh, Bomberman Online, Choo Choo Rocket uh, yep. had online capabilities. That's another uh, you know big game. If people liked Choo Choo Rocket, they seem to really love Choo Choo Rocket, which I never really played. Um, and there was a couple other racing games like Daytona USA had online components and yeah. the, uh, for first person shooters out trigger, um, that I mentioned before. Oh, wow. Out trigger. Yeah. Out trigger is a terrible game really. But I, <laughs> I, the thing I liked about it was, is the first, it was a first person, well, kind of third person actually. Um, and it was a shooter by like Sega's arcade team. So it had all of these visual, uh, accoutrements, uh, like sound effects and like really bright graphics that that first person shooters and just shooters in general out of the West did not have at mm-hmm. the time, and I I thought that game was super interesting even though the gameplay is terrible and the voice acting is equally terrible, but uh, it's a, it's an interesting game. Well, I think uh, I think what we'll do. I mean, this is I mean it's an awesome subject, and I think you could it, it is just lost in time. Uh, the, you know the Dreamcast online service, unless you, like I said, you have the ability to connect, and or if you want to spend roughly one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars for a broadband adapter on eBay now, um, I got to sell my broadband adapter. No, you should hold on to it because the price <laughs> has been going up like every single year, uh, mm. while crazy people are still playing four player online Quake Three arena matches with their broadband <laughs> adapter. Four players. I think Same. about that as a game night. Do a player one game night where you get. You know, I mean, you guys all have broadband (laughs) adapters. I don't know why you're not doing this. Like, yeah, this this weekend we can have one other person join us for (laughs) Quake Three Arena and play some uh, play some hot first person shooting uh, games. But Mm. yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, what we'll do is we'll be right back. We have some some news and some discussion stuff. If you want to stick around, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Otherwise, here's some more music from uh, the Dreamcast Library. This is going to be a great segment because I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. But, um, you know, I did get uh, a couple questions. Um, you know, people that want to like hear about retro gaming stuff in Japan, I'll do that later. Um, you know, the, the the pro tips that I gave out um, on A4, I'll just say here is that don't shop in Akihabara anymore, at least until they replenish stuff like that place is mobbed with foreigners. And um, I've gotten some fantastic deals through Amazon Japan and it's not a case of where if you're going to come to Japan and you're staying at a hotel, you can get stuff mailed there. So don't worry about that. 
Um, just make sure that you look on there before you spend a ton of money out in the streets. It's not as fun, but getting games like I got that Shinobi game on the Saturn, that weird ass Shinobi game. Oh, like Shin Shinobi Den for ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I got and Duck you got Tip. the Japanese version. I got the Japanese version. That's the better version. I mean, I got. All, I mean, all this stuff. I bought. I bought more Saturn games than I bought of anything else here, and I'm like, I didn't see that coming. But um, <laughs> like the the fantastic collections, like the wretch, like this uh, Capcom collections and the Street Fighter collections mm. that they have for it are just nuts. Um, and also like Ducktales two on the Famicom for like roughly a um, thousand yen on mm. uh, Amazon Japan. So if you want to do this stuff, like the the articles that have been coming out the blog posts are kind of right. The Akihabara has been cleaned out, but. Um, in the small town shop that I'm staying in and Amazon Japan, which is really cheap. Like it is really inexpensive to get stuff on there because it's coming from all over Japan, not just Tokyo. Um, so if you're going to stay in Japan a couple days, that would be the way to do it. But I wanted to talk to you guys uh, because I found one of the deals that I got was a $10 DS light that was like in perfect shape. And that is probably my favorite Nintendo handheld console <coughs> that they ever put out. So I wanted to... Since it's about that time, this is the time if you want to collect a Nintendo DS stuff, you need to do it real fast uh, because it's the the you know the stock is drying up. Um, but CJ, I wanted to ask you like if I was if I wanted to make sure I had the great like a really good DS collection, you know, outside of the new Super Mario Brothers, the Mario Karts, like the the, the obvious ones, are there any games that I should keep a lookout for to to pick up before they're gone or before the prices get crazy on eBay? Uh, Elite Beat Agents, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a great one. Tetris DS, I think they had to stop making that one that, because yeah. they lost the Tetris license, so that should already be kind of rare. Okay. But uh, but that was great just because it had, you know, pixel art um, from old Nintendo games mixed in with the whole Tetris theme, so that was great. And that was an online game as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of fun. Um, Clubhouse games, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if... If I remember that, that. Hard to find, but that has like you know two dozen or some like crazy amount of of just little mini games um, that you can play. I think you can play some of those online as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Dragon Quest, Rocket Slime, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, Rocket Slime. If you can get that, that is fantastic. What what kind of, of is it? Games. Is that like is it like a Dragon Quest game or is it more like a Zelda no. game? What's it like? It's sort of like a defense game, actually, where you are this little slime creature and you have to, um, like, uh, bolster your defenses against, uh, uh, you're in, like, this big, big, like, rocket airship thing and you have to defend against uh, some enemies who are shooting stuff at you and Mm -hmm. uh, shooting enemies at you by, like, you have this, it's a multi-story battleship that you have. It's, It's pretty great. You uh, you should check that out. Okay, that's on my, that's on my list. Uh, what else? I did, you know DS. Hmm. There's some good Sega games, right, Craig? I mean, if we want to talk about you know specifically, I don't play Sega games. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's some good Sonic, Sonic games. Sonic Rush. Right? Sonic Rush was actually really good. Okay. Um, and Sonic Chronicles, I've never actually played, but it's a Sonic RPG from oh, BioWare. Yeah, that's from right. BioWare. <laughs> <clears throat> so you know, there's that for all the um, fanfic, yeah. fi- fanfic. Yeah, really. Fans Bioware. Okay. Um, I really seem to remember uh, the Castlevania games. I think I want to say Portrait of Ruin was the best one. I'm playing that right now. And that game is awesome. That game there kicks ass. Holy shit! Called it. Sorry for um, my swear word this uh-huh. week, but that yeah, game cool. deserves a swear word. That game is buy it. It's twenty bucks on Amazon. Buy it. If you're a Final Fantasy fan, um, 
they did the remakes of Final Fantasy 3 and 4 mm-hmm. in particular. Um, both really good. I really enjoyed them anyway. And even if you're not a Grand Theft Auto fan, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars is incredible. It's my favorite Grand Theft Auto game, hands down. Really? Yeah. What, what, what's so, so great about it? And it's just, I, it, I don't know. It's just really, I really dig it. I, one of the things, it's so, I, I, sound, I, I feel terrible when I, when I rave about this. I love the, the drug dealing <laughs> portion of it. <laughs> oh, There's yeah, like it has like economy a drug wars thing in it, right? Yeah, there's this whole economy in the game where you're like buying and selling, and it adds this whole level to the game that I absolutely love. But I even like the touchscreen stuff. And like for me, the the DS version is the best version because it's also on PSP and it's also on like uh, iPhone and probably Android. But D- the, the the DS version for me is the best one. Um, Mario and Luigi games, 3D. Picross 3D, Cross 3D, totally worth totally worth it. That's, Actually, it's really good. Good good airplane game. That's too. under nine dollars right now on Amazon. You should grab that. You should grab that. Okay. Um, the Mario and Luigi games get Bowser's Inside Story, not Partners in Time. Mm. Why is that? Partners in Time was just kind of boring. Okay. Uh, let me just go down the list Heaven. here real quick. Rhythm Heaven. Rhythm Heaven's quite good. Also yeah. under $10 on Amazon right yeah. now as I'm looking at yeah. stuff. <laughs> and um, Welcome to Kevin Shops on Amazon segment. You want some weird Sega Ingram. games? <laughs> weird Sega games? Uh, I don't know how well they hold up, though. So uh, Feel the Magic, XYXX. Oh, that was yes. a launch game, right? And the sequel, The Rub Rabbits. The Rub Rabbits. The Rub wow. Rabbits. Those Feel are the weird Magic games. is $2 on They're Amazon. They're weird <laughs> games. Two bucks is worth getting. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and you might you might like <laughs> Rub the Zelda games. Spirit, I was, was going to ask CJ about that. Yeah. I liked Spirit Tracks. I did not like the Phantom Hourglass, but I really like Spirit Tracks for some reason. Spirit Tracks was the I agree second with that, one, yeah. right? Yes, Spirit Tracks was the second one. Okay, so CJ, why, why, what's, uh, I guess, what makes it better? You know, I, I kind of dropped both of those games, <laughs> but I like the train. <laughs> okay. I like the choo-choo train. It's a weird yeah. game, but it'll show you that you can actually play Zelda on a touchscreen because the whole thing's yeah. controlled by touchscreen. Yeah. Spirit Tracks, all right. Yeah, it did. Uh, you can, yeah, the whole you can play just with the stylus. Yep. You do all the rolls and stuff with uh, and attacks with the stylus. It's pretty great. I never finished any of those games, though. I love I Spirit know, Tracks. Port- portable Zelda games, except for uh, Link Between Worlds, I just kind of uh, lose interest in after a little while. That's one of my pickups why. is I got the two-disc Link Between Worlds soundtrack set while in Japan. Awesome. It is awesome. well worth the price. If you, And you can actually, I pay literally what you would get pay for importing it from <coughs> eBay, which is $50. So yeah. if you want to import it, just get it on eBay and wait two weeks for it to get there. Um, there's tons of copies on on eBay if you want it. Um, man, that's a pretty that's a pretty good start. Um, and the other thing that I've been pointed to um, a lot, like if you go on Amazon, uh, there's lots of DS games that are roughly ten dollars. Like you brought up Rhythm Heaven and uh, Elite Beat Agents um, and Field of Magic, which is also like two bucks. But there's lots of uh, Nintendo games. Like, is I wanted to ask you guys about WarioWare. DIY is that worth picking up? Or I heard that wasn't at the never the best played one. DIY. DIY is an interesting anomaly in that series. I mean, it's sort of teaching you game programming in uh, really? in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, it's a scripting thing, really, right? I mean, it's a scripting. Yeah, it teaches you, you know, game scripting, and it's it's pretty good for that. Uh, for a while there, they allowed you to upload and download games off of the internet, but when Nintendo Wi-Fi connection closed That's right. in May. I, you can't do that anymore. So that function is uh, 
is not there. So you'd really just be creating your own games to get uh, the most out of that. So probably not worth it. Okay, all right, that should get me get me started. I, ha- I have a bunch of DS games, but it's just uh, when when these like end like we're almost getting towards the end of the 3ds generation at least kind of looking at 2015 yeah. uh that's usually when the previous generation stuff starts going away uh if you want to go shop at game stops uh too uh they're usually starting to clearance that stuff out and um a, another pro tip don't worry about getting complete versions of these games if you can just get that cart um nintendo is still selling the the ds boxes on their yep. website for real cheap and you can print out the box art through the cover project and have a basically um, almost like you know you wouldn't even know the difference between the the two you just won't have instructions which um we don't have to have our moms drive ourselves home anymore so we don't need to read them Who looks at those anyway <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're totally right man i read so many instruction books on the ride home from from the store that's how you got yeah. the story of the game like if you wanted yeah, to absolutely. know the story behind like your mc kids you read the manual <laughs> i Wait, when i bought a story behind that yeah yeah huh? <laughs> When I bought uh, Final Fantasy, the first Final Fantasy, we were down in Maine when mm-hmm. I bought that. And I and I don't remember, like 10, 15-hour drive back home. I had the two posters and the instruction booklet memorized inside and out <laughs> oh, by yeah. the time I walked in my front door and turned the game on. Is that what you did? Right. Like, first thing you didn't even unpack, you went right oh, to God, the NES? God, yes. you kidding? Man, that's I exactly love exactly what guys. I did. Yeah, that's... That, that is what we all did. stuff first. Yeah. Your parents are there to unpack your suitcase. That was, we got, we used to, I, I mentioned this on the show before, but we used to go up to like New Hampshire to Waterville Valley. And on the way up, we'd always drop off our, because our NES would always like every NES would start malfunctioning. Like you get the blinking screens and just stop working to a certain extent. And we'd always drop it off at the NES uh, Nintendo Repair Center with our, like our Game Boy and get all that stuff repaired. Like they would replace the plastic on the screen on our Game Boys. So it would look brand new. And like, if you lost your, you know, the back cover to your Game Boy, like everyone else did, oh my God. They, they would have replacements for that. So you weren't holding it in with duct tape like ours did and uh like that is the first thing we did get home like oh man now i can play all my nes games and look at like you put it in an nes game and it works on the first try like it's a miracle um the last thing i wanted to ask you about ds games contra 4 yes or no Mm -hmm. because that is still like hovering around 20 bucks is that worth picking up that's a yes because that's by way forward right oh yeah that means true yeah 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 yeah. i never played it i never played it i picked it up on clearance at a target for like four bucks or something what? that I've not, not played. Yep. Target clearance aisle. You son of a bitch. Used to be way better than it is. <laughs> it, uh, it, it did used to be way better. Now they barely, like they call 24 yeah. 99 a clearance price. It's Canada like, finally got target and they don't do good clearance deals anymore. <laughs> a, well, you get like 80% off your pre-order. So don't worry about it. Um, you're it's making true. it up at some point. Um, all right. So finally, but as we wrap up, I wanted to, to ask you guys, you're going to be recording about the same day that this comes out. Uh, there's going to be a brand new player one podcast. So if people mm. are, haven't checked out the show before, um, CJ, what do you guys have coming up in terms of uh, stuff that you're going to be talking about um, on there? Oh, man. Uh, what aren't we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking <laughs> about the Xbox One uh, price price dip for the holidays. That's right. That's great. Uh, we're going to talk about Nintendo's uh, financials that they mm-hmm. just released and their quality how of life. How they're doomed because of their Thank- profits. Oh, my God. What? Oh, sorry, that's Polygon. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no, no way. I'm just, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was the way the headline spun it. It's true. Yeah. I hate um, that. Let's see. Val- Valkyria Chronicles coming to PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, baby. Uh, 
It's a totally underrated game. Yes. We'll probably talk a little bit about Viva Pinata because that uh, Trouble in Paradise is free if you still got gold on awesome. your Xbox 360. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good yeah, line. Uh, Amiibo figures, you know, they, they, the production toys apparently don't look like the display that they had at E3. They're not as pristine. Mm-hmm. The paint jobs are maybe a little sloppy. It, the internet's raging about that. So maybe we'll, and that never happens. That. So you know, it's important when it does happen. <laughs> that's there right. Uh, Sunset Overdrive, uh, some of Costume Quest 2. Cosmic Quest 2, Pokemon, Omega Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire demo. Nice. Uh, you should, you yeah, should totally listen. Talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a like a super long episode tomorrow. So, um, yeah, you guys can check that out. And I will also recommend um, if you are on the Internet, um, it might be easier to also go to uh, Twitter and make sure you're following at P1 Podcast. You can follow Greg at at S-E-W. A R T and C J is at Super Pack, like the uh I guess okay Pac-Man spinoff. Um mm, no, it's not pick. very good. It's not good. <laughs> it's let's not just like let's that. call a spade a spade. It's not yeah. good. CJ just makes uh obnoxiously huge contributions to various politicians' campaign, campaign right. funds. Yeah, I was the elections coming up. I would hope I was hoping someone would try to buy my Twitter account <laughs> off me because, uh, you know, I'd, I'd sell it. But what's but the price? Nobody has. What's the price? Like 10 G's? Well, uh, high, what are the Koch brothers you willing to pay? <laughs> I got money's not even an object, but this isn't, uh, you know, the Daily Show podcast. It is uh, the, right. uh, the back oh. in my play, I think, podcast. So, um, yeah, check out all that stuff. And uh, again, if you if you like, you know, to hear about new stuff and not just old stuff, check out player one podcast. It's the, the podcast that I start off with every Monday when I walk my dog or from, you know, actually it would be for, it'd be Monday or Tuesday morning. If I'm in, I don't know, time zones, you guys know, I don't know time zones, but, um, check it out. You can grab it on iTunes while you're there. Subscribe to back in my play and please submit a review. I've got, I've been getting some nasty reviews on what What? people, people, uh, think that, uh, I'm too young to be doing a retro game podcast oh. and I haven't gone far enough back into Atari <laughs> games and I haven't talked about games from the UK and stuff like that. So we could, we could do some, we could do an Atari episode. Let's do a 2600 episode. I could talk about Dodge for an hour. Dude, I, we, the first thing we had, we had like 80 Atari 2600 games. Like I played plenty of Atari 2600. So, um, days, don't, man, don't worry about that. Like I can talk about some, some deep cuts. Like let's talk about reactor for hell yeah um, like that the best soundtrack on the 2600 um so (laughs) let's uh let's get out of here uh at back in my play on twitter i'm at kevin larrabee and check out all that stuff and um you know again if you if you enjoy uh what greg is doing with sega stuff check out generation 16 uh you can check those out on youtube and also generation-16.com right is that right yes sir okay i'm not looking at anything so and uh support it with uh patreon and uh Thank you guys for for taking the time to talk about this stuff. I um, really need to go to the bathroom because I drink too much coffee. So we're going to wrap it up there, and uh, we'll catch you next time where I think uh, I'm going to be doing Castlevania 2 on the Game Boy with Kurt Collada again just to continue to talk about that stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe Atari 2600 after that because I'm only, you know, 28. I can talk about that. So uh, thanks as always for tuning in and hope you all have a great week. Uh, We'll see you next time.